Let's liven up a little bit this morning. We're here to worship and learn about Jesus. Okay? This is, and, and the text is emotional, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? The text is emotional. This is Jesus Christ calling you, calling these men to follow him. Okay? This is a big deal. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Let's get going. Can't get no help up here. Okay? Turn to Mark chapter 1. Okay, turn to Mark chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles for you. We want you to take this, follow along with us as we go through the text. Okay, so raise your hand, get that. If you don't own a Bible, it's our free gift to you. Please take this one and keep it on your way out. If you just forgot yours today, take this one, leave it on the way out. Okay, turn to Mark chapter 1. And as you're doing that, let me just give a quick recap of the last couple weeks. We started Mark three weeks ago. This is week three of the book of Mark. And in week one, what we saw was that Jesus' public ministry is inaugurated, right? That Jesus shows up on the scene. We don't get a birth story in the Gospel of Mark. What we get is Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, and his public ministry is now inaugurated, is now going, is moving forward, okay? In week two, Anthony last week preaches, and we saw two things. One, that this public ministry was challenged, Right away, right? So he goes, all right, I'm doing this, I'm happening, and right away he's in the wilderness with Satan, tempting him, deny your faith, whatever it is, and he wins, okay? Challenged right away. And then the third one we see is that it's proclaimed. He comes in last week's text and says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Okay, so it's proclaimed. So we're only uh, three weeks into this, and the public ministry of Jesus is in full swing. Okay? Like we're jumping right into the story. And so this, I want you to try and grab this for a moment. Okay? What we're reading, what we're studying right now, is the life, is the ministry, is the work of our Savior. Right? Of the figurehead, the guy of our faith. What we're looking at, like when you go and you study any uh, public figure of history, and you get into, uh, we just, has how many people seen the movie Selma? Okay, see that? okay so more you need to go see Selma. That's, that's application point number one. Okay? Uh, Two is, okay, you go and see someone, but it's really, when you're watching the life of Martin Luther King unfold in this movie, and, and then we know the profound things that came from his life. And so to be a fly on the wall and to see what's happening is important and formative for us as people. We cannot be more formed and shaped by anyone more than Jesus. And so we get, guys, again, this is a fly on the wall. We get to understand, learn, and see how our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, lived his life, how he brought other people into it. And so what we see today... Okay, now that it's been proclaimed, now it's been challenged, now it's been inaugurated, all of that, now we come to the point where it's going public. And what I mean by going public is if, uh, how many people play the stock market? Probably all you, all you guys, right, playing the stock market these days, a lot of you students. Um, when, a, when a company goes public, right, they can be traded. In other words, other people can buy into the company. Other people can now be invested into the corporation. They are now part of, they are hoping for the success of this company. Jesus is going public with his ministry. He's going public with his mission and saying, okay, this isn't just me. The gospel that you heard, that we need to go and proclaim this gospel of repentance and belief, man, it's not just me doing it. In fact, I'm going to bring you into this. And if you don't come into this, then you're missing an essential part of your faith. Okay? So he calls others to follow him. Okay? And so what we're going to look at is the text, and there's going to be a lot of questions that we're just going to go through, kind of a how, why, what, who, and that whole type of thing. Okay, so here we go, verse 16. We'll start the first of two stories, and I'm going to read them both, and then we'll come back and start breaking it down. It says this, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, 
the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So that's story one. Here's story two. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So let's just look at some of these questions. Where are we? Like, what's going on? What's some of the context? Where are we in this? So he's at the Sea of Galilee. It says that Jesus was in Galilee. He goes to the Sea of Galilee because he's an ocean guy. He likes water. And so he gets over to the Sea of Galilee and he sees these guys. And first he sees Simon. And he sees his brother. And Simon is the same as Peter. What we know, Simon, Peter, that's who we're talking about here. So Simon and his brother, and they're there and they're fishing, probably off coast. Okay? Probably off coast. That they're off, they're doing their fishing. Because let's just talk fishermen for a moment. This is not Bass Pro Shops fishing. Okay? This is deadliest catch type fishing, right? This is, they're out in the water, they're doing their thing, and it's not easy work. The way these guys would fish is they would actually throw this enormous net off the side of the boat and would cover a really large mass, and so it would have weights on every corner, begin to sink down into the deep, and then it would land on the ground, hopefully trapping a bunch of fish. And so what the fishermen would have to do would swim all the way down to the bottom, bring all of the weights together, and then swim back to shore, dragging this entire net, filled with fish. Sometimes to the boat, if they could lift it, depending on what size the catch was. Okay, so this is the type of fishermen we're talking about. Probably pretty burly, sick beard, that type of thing. Okay? And so these are the fishermen. So Jesus sees Simon, he sees Peter, and he sees his brother, and they're off and they're doing their fishing thing. And then the second story is he sees James and John and their father Zebedee, and they're actually hitting the boat. They're in the boat, they're fixing the nets, and so they're not actually in the water, they're just hanging out. Okay, so this is the scene, this is where we're at. The second part, who are these guys? Who's Simon? Who is Peter? Who's Andrew? Who's James? Who's John? They're fishermen, we talked about that. But here's the thing, oftentimes when you read this text and you'll hear a lot of people say, well, you know, and especially the skeptic today, when I sit down and talk to a skeptic of the faith and they'll say, yeah, but the earliest believers, they were all kind of stupid. Right? Like that, that's kind of an argument out there. These guys were simple people. They were poor people. They didn't have anything else to depend on. And so when they had a guy who said, I want you, they were in. That could not be farther from the truth about the life of these fishermen. Now, to be a fisherman at this time didn't mean that you were poor, necessarily. Didn't mean that you were uneducated. In fact, obviously, it it usually meant the opposite. In order to compete in the fishing industry back then, you had to be smart. You had to speak Greek. You had to be able to compete with all of the other fishermen that were fishing in the Mediterranean and other seas. And so for them to be successful in Galilee, in a smaller market, they had to have been pretty savvy businessmen. They had to have been pretty smart. They had to have a lot of things kind of churning up here, ideas, thoughts. They must have been somewhat educated. These were not just simpletons that bought into a lie because they wanted someone to like them. That rather, no, these were smart men that were out doing their trade and they got interrupted by the calling of God. Okay. Smart men out doing their job and yet God intervenes and says, hey, we're going to do something a little different here. And I think, I think the reality is, is that that's where a lot of us are at today. And regardless of whether you're here and you're a Christian or not, that there's going to be realities. And what I want us to see today is that there's going to be realities for us in the room who are Christians, who are saying, okay, man, well, I've already, I'm in. Yeah, I'm I'm a a Christian. I gave my life to Jesus. But, But I know when I look in my own heart, and I think if you're honest with yourself and you look into your own life, you're going to say, you know what, down the line, there are things that I have not given over. That, you know, yeah, I follow him uh, on my Sunday mornings. 
and, and I follow him in my moral, morality in this area. But to say, man, my life is laid down, it is fully following, fully bought in to Jesus and his work, his life, his ministry, and his mission, I, I don't know if we're there. And so if you're a Christian, I think this has just as much application. What do you need to do today? What do you need to analyze, think about that causes you to follow Jesus more after you leave this service than when you first showed up? And then I think there's probably a good chunky that are here that you've never followed Jesus. Maybe you've never really heard the call. You've never had someone sit down and say, no, this is for you. And I want to be here. I want to be, if, if that's your only person to say, it's for you. And he's calling you, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. This is applicable to all of us. Who are these guys? Okay. Next up is, uh, what is Jesus up to? Here's the what. What's he doing? What's he saying? So again, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, this is a tremendous deal during this time. You see, Jesus, rabbi, okay, would not normally, if he acts like every other teacher, every other rabbi, he would not go out and pursue people to follow him. See, rabbis didn't do that. What a rabbi did was he trained and he learned and he studied and he went to the synagogue and he got into the, to the word of God, into the Torah, and he knew it front to back. And then what would happen is other people would come to them and say, teach me, I want to know. Teach me, I want to learn from you. What we get here is the exact opposite. We get this rabbi who all of a sudden is saying, no, 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 I'm going to want you and I'm going to want you. And he begins to call these guys out, hey, you follow me, and you follow me, and you follow me. This is a tremendous deal for a rabbi to do this. And we'll get into more of that in just a moment. So how do they respond? They say yes, and they go immediately. Okay? Which is crazy, right? If you think about the scene, you're off, you're doing your job, like, so some of you guys, right, you're a student, some guy walks into your classroom and says, Mallory, let's go, Right? And you're probably thinking, well, okay, because you're awesome. But other people, just kidding, right? But I mean, what would that look like at your job, right? You're an engineer, you're an electrician, you're a teacher, you're a doctor, you're whatever you do, and you're just doing your trade, and someone comes in who you don't really know that well and says, hey, uh, follow me, and we're going to go do something different. What, what type of faith, what type of context would it have to exist in your life for you to be able to go? How much would you have to trust the one who's calling? How much would you have to, and we'll get into some of these things right now. Okay, so they, go, they say yes, and they go immediately. So here we go. Why, oh why, do they do this? The big question, why? Why in a situation where I doubt any of us would actually go, do they say, okay, we're in, without stipulation, without question, Without hesitation, they go. Okay. We're going to look at um, we're going to look at a bunch of reasons for them not to follow. Okay. We're going to look at a bunch of reasons for these four guys to not have gone, to have said no, and then we're going to look at a few reasons why it made sense why they said yes. Okay. And so the first reason why I think it makes no sense that they decide to follow, okay, is because who is this guy, right? I mean, okay, so John one shows us that maybe they did have some knowledge of who Jesus was beforehand. 
that they had maybe heard some of his teaching, they had seen a couple things, there were probably rumors swirling about in the day, and so they probably had some idea who Christ was. And yet all of a sudden, there's no relationship, there's no real backing, there's just some stuff they've heard. And then here this guy walks into their job and says, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they go immediately. Who is this guy? Who does that? Who follows? That is a Listen, every reason I'm about to tell you about why it makes sense for them not to follow is a good and legitimate reason that makes complete sense in every realm that we can think of outside of the sovereignty of God. Okay. Who is this guy? The second one, uh, fishers of men. Like, what does that even mean? Right? Like, what, what, what does that mean? Jesus, okay, you want me to go, at least make it clear what you're asking. So again, I come into your work, I say, follow me. At least you're thinking, well, what are we going to do? And I say, we're going to go stoning for rocks. Or, you know, that, I don't know, that just popped in my head right now. I don't know why. But that's how it comes. Just what is this? Jesus, what are you asking of me? If you want me to go, you better tell me. You better tell me what we're going to be doing. Because that's going to have direct, right? If you guys are going to go, you're going to have direct impact. Or what will have direct impact is what we'll be doing. Think about it. every event that we put on here at the church. So you show up to some, but you don't show up to the others, right? Because there's something about the content where you're like, you know what, that, I'll go do that. That sounds good to me, and so I'll go. But this is, what does this mean, Jesus? And so that's a legitimate reason. Jesus doesn't really lay it out for them what their life will look like. The next one is what? Current responsibility. So you got James and John, and then they're like, we've got to fix the nets, man. Like, we have, we have stuff right now that we have to take care of. I can't, I can't just go. I've got to take care of this. And then, you know, what's my wife going to think? You know, I've got to call her. There's no phones, and so that's not possible. And so, I mean, just all of the things in that moment of just all the stuff that if I asked you right now, Thomas, hey, man, let's go. Like right now, no questions, let's go. All the stuff that runs through your mind, like I've got to do this today, and i got this, and then I brought this guy, and on and on and on. Every single one. I could go around the room, and you would say, no, there's, there's like all this stuff I've got to do today. And that is a legitimate reason. Yeah, there's stuff they had to get done. They have responsibility in life, a legitimate reason why they should not follow God. Jesus. Next one. Uh, fear. Okay? So fear, again, they probably knew a little bit about Jesus. They, they, they probably had some idea, okay, this, is this the Messiah? Okay, he might get into some trouble. Because life's pretty good right now, and I got my trade, and I got my family, and I got my thing. It's going well. And so there's probably some fear there. Probably some fear in the reality of the ambiguous, right? I don't know what I'm walking into. We hate stuff that we don't know about. We're terrified of stuff that we don't know about. And so I'm sure there was some fear here. Again, another legitimate reason not to follow Jesus here. Fear was a reality. The next one, what will people think? What will people think if I just go right now? If, if this guy says follow and I'm just, all right, I'm in. Think about it. James and John, they leave their father Zebedee. I don't know how old this guy was, but it doesn't say that they had a conversation. Hey, Pop, we're going to go. Here's why. They don't do that. Or at least we don't get that they do that. They just go. And you leave this guy, this father behind, and now probably older than these guys, these guys were probably the ones that had to do most of the work and they're leaving their father behind with some servants to get the work done. Okay? What will other people think? Will people look at the decision that we're making and be like, what were you thinking? Man, you had a good thing going there and you blew it. Okay? What will people think? Last one. Or actually, a couple more. Security, right? This is our livelihood. 
So if we give this up, what, I mean, what's going to happen? Right? Uh, financially, we've got to pay for stuff. We've got bills. And so if we don't go fishing, there's no money. And if there's no money, we don't get to pay for stuff. Right? And so the security piece, I'm sure, began to prop up in their mind as well. The next one, inconvenience. This one, you know, now's just not a good time. Right? Like right now, it's just, I, I don't feel, it's just inconvenient. Think about it. Okay, again, Simon, Andrew, they're in the, in the sea. Okay? And what do they do? They swim to shore. Jesus says, hey guys, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. There's no, hey, let's bring the boat back in. There's none of that. It's, they just go immediately. Jump in the water, swim to shore, follow Jesus. Right? You guys ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? Come on. Yeah. See? Okay, there you go. How many people have seen Selma? Okay. Come on now. It's good. Forrest Gump, fantastic movie, right? Uh, the scene where he finds out about his mom dying, right? And he's on the boat, and he gets word, hey, mom's sick. What's he do? Right? Straight swan dive, straight off. Swims to shore, probably like a mile, right? It was Forrest Gump, so he can do that, right? And so this guy swims to shore, right? Because something was so compelling to him that, yeah, I'm not going to get the boat back here, but forget this. Everything goes black, and all that the focus gets turned on is this one thing, mom's sick. And I think this is where these guys are. Again, this, this, there could be all sorts of inconveniences in your life where following Jesus doesn't make sense for you. But, man, maybe we're just supposed to just jump in and go. Maybe we're supposed to kind of see everything just kind of gets dark for that moment so that we can focus on the compelling movement of God and the compelling call to follow Him. Okay? So those are all good reasons not to follow Him. But there are some reasons to follow Him. Okay? And there's three, I think. There's three reasons why it makes sense that at the end of the day, these four men immediately say yes and follow Jesus. One is the caller. Two is the content. And three is the community. Okay? Caller, content, community. And so let's look at those. The first one, the caller. Right? Who calls? Jesus. This is, this is huge. This is huge. It's Jesus that calls. So before content even matters, the person who's giving you the content, his credibility is going to have a drastic implication on whether or not you choose to believe it, follow it, and make it part of your life. So, so even for me up here, ho- hopefully there's some trust, and hopefully that's been built with some of you who've been here longer than others, right? But there's been some trust that what I'm saying is not just stuff I came up with, but stuff directly from the Bible, okay? But with Jesus, it's the same thing, like this, this idea of credibility. We see it throughout, listen, okay, there's a, uh, there's a church or uh, a ministry in Alabama, and they, uh, they bought out a billboard, Okay, huge billboard on I think it was you know I whatever, and so just thousands of people driving by this thing every hour. Okay, and it had this quote and it had their their website and the whole thing. It says he and it was it was a youth ministry, right? It says he alone who owns the youth gains the future, right? Which sounds pretty good. We're like yeah, okay, like invest in the youth because they're our future. You know, it's every Disney movie you've ever seen. Okay, and then you find out that that quote was from Hitler. And then you're like, eh, maybe not the best. Right? And you're like, and, and the, the weirdest part was on the billboard, it literally, it was like, he, you know, who, he who gains the youth owns the future, dash Hitler. So, I mean, this, this church was just like, yeah, this would be a good idea. 
uh, people love Hitler. Like, it's been like 60 years, so we're good, right? I mean, so immediately, right, you read that sign, he, he who gains youth, okay, that sounds pretty good. Let's invest in the youth. Hitler, never mind. I hate the youth, right? Like, like let's, let's leave the youth alone, okay? They're fine. The content of a message is directly impacted by the one who's communicating it. Okay? And so I think the reason why they followed is because, man, this was Jesus. Okay? This was Jesus. This was Jesus Christ, the one with whom all of these men probably had studied about for their entire lives. The fulfillment of everything that they had heard about, every prophecy, everything talking about this Messiah, at this point they probably had, yeah, that's probably him. So whatever he says, I'm going. Whatever he says, I'm going. So ask us today, what is it that we fail to believe about Jesus that holds us back from following him wholeheartedly? Is he not actually God? Is he not actually the fulfillment of every single Old Testament prophecy that's spoken about his lordship, about the way that he would come and save and deliver a people? Is there something about Jesus that we don't believe that he lived this perfect life that we could never live? Is there something we don't believe about the fact that he went to the cross to die for the sins that we should have died for? What is it about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Savior that we fail to believe and trust in that when he calls, we're hesitant? Because I think a reason they followed right here is because they fully realized who this guy was. And when Jesus, the Savior, when this guy calls, you go. When this guy calls, you go. Now, if it was me, right, you can be hesitant with me all day. That's fine. But when Jesus says to you, follow me, we got to go. Okay? We, we, we just got to go. Amen. Okay? There's y'all, man. I'm leaning on you, bro. Let's go. Amen. When, when he calls, when Jesus calls, it changes the whole game for us. Because he's not just another guy. He's love come down. He's God in the flesh. He's Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of God. Okay. This is what he is. Okay. Next one is the content. Now, once you've established this guy's credible, this is good, and we're going to go, right? The content becomes pretty important as well. Okay. So, here's the reality. Follow me. Now, this again... A crazy thing for him to say because rabbis didn't do this. But also notice, he didn't say, listen, come and follow my teachings, which is what most rabbis would have said. You want to be my disciple? You want to follow me? You want me to mentor you? Fine. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to teach you my interpretation of the Torah. Right? I'm, going to, I'm going to teach you about these things. And you'll become a better Jew than you were before. Jesus says, no, no, no. Follow me. Like, come, come with me. Be with me. This is an interpersonal relationship. This is not just, hey, I'm going to give you a packet and a book. Read this, and I'll, I'll look at the notes that you take. It was, hey, come follow me. Be with me. Look at my life. Live life with me. And be with me. Follow who I am. In everything I do, you do. Follow me. It's a big difference from just follow my teaching. The second part to it is, I'll make you fishers of men. Now, here's the deal. This is not without precedent. This shows up one time before this in the book of Jeremiah. In the book of Jeremiah, God speaks to his prophet Jeremiah to the people and says, Listen, Israel, guess what? You're in captivity in Babylon now, but I am going to restore Israel. I am going to restore the people of God back together. 
You will be my people once again. And so he says this in Jeremiah 16, 15 and 16. But as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of the countries where he had driven them, for I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. And afterward I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rocks. So this, this is not without precedent. So the, I, I don't know, right? I, I, haven't, I haven't asked Peter. You know, we'll get there, right? But I, I, I don't know. He, maybe he knew. It's like, yeah, you know what, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 16, right? I, maybe that was there for him. God's done this once before where his people were scattered, they were without a land, they were without a king, they were without a kingdom, and God sent out fishers and hunters to gather the people back that he would restore again the nation of Israel. And so I, I wonder if they would have got that. See, the content of the message is, yeah, the world is scattered, there is sin, there is brokenness, there is pain, there is hurt, there is disconnect with God. Yet God will send out men and women to be his fishers, to go out and restore again the creation of God back to the God that created them in a perfect kingdom here and forever. Okay. Not the first time this is there. So the content all of a sudden, like a veil is torn. Jesus, you're, you're, this isn't just some kind of weird thing. Like this isn't some weird imagery where, where Jesus comes, he tells Peter, hey, we're going to make you fishers of men like they're going to go to some creepy aquarium with humans swimming around, right? It's not that. He's saying, listen, I want to use you. I want to to go public with the ministry. I want to bring you into this. And I'm going to equip you and train you and develop you and form you to be like me so that in your meanness, you would go and reconcile and restore the people who are lost back to their creator. Wow. What a calling. And if you're a Jew and you're hearing that calling, this is significant. Because you look back to your ancestors and say, this happened once before. And it worked out pretty well. But the Messiah is here to do it once and for all, for now and eternity. And so that calling remains on us today. That we too can look to the past and say, man, you know, he did it with Israel, he's doing it with the early church, and he's doing it right now. Calling people, men and women, follow me and I will make you fish, and then I will get you into the public ministry of Christ. Give your life over to me. Because I am Jesus Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior of the world. I am the man who lives the life you could not live and dies the death you deserve. Okay. Because he's that, we go. And then we are now part of this adventure, this content, this uh, purpose that I think all along in our lives we've always desired. We just didn't know where to find it. Until now. The last one is the community piece. Now, um, people will say, and you read some commentaries on this, that this, I mean, this is kind of the first sprouting of the church right here. Jesus, not just going solo, but saying, I'm going to call these four guys. They'll be my first four followers. And you begin to see right away this early seed of the church begin to form. The church, this, but much bigger than this, Right? All those who declare the name of Jesus Christ, one family, one people, on mission for God's mission. Okay. I think they were called and driven to the fact this was not just about them. This is about something bigger than them. And they weren't doing this by themselves. They are now doing it with their family. 
they're doing it with people that God and Jesus would go on to continue to call. And they would be on this mission together. And I can tell you this, man. One of the things that plagues the church today, and obviously we got tons of critics on it, is the disunity amongst the church. Not just from church, local church to local church, although that exists, but even within churches, right? Where there's just, hey, well, I think this and I think this, so we can't be in communion together, right? Now, there are certain black and whites I think the Bible talks about, and we call those close-handed issues here at Redemption Church. Jesus is the Son of God. He did die for your sins. There's nothing you can do to please God outside of believing and trusting in Him. On and on, there's some other ones. But honestly, man, the mission of God, this calling of God, this content, this what we... The community is so intricately part of it. Okay. So intricately part of your following Jesus. I can't tell you how often I sit down, and, and with some of you in this room, but different people, a lot of people who aren't here today, because I sit down, I say, man, how, how are you? They say, man, my life's kind of messed up right now. I said, okay, well, what, what are you up to? Like, I don't know, you know, not much. Just I'm hanging out with these people and doing this thing and that and the other. And I said, man, where's, where's the church in your life? And, and when I say church, I don't even mean redemption flagstaff. I mean, where are the people of God in your life? Because there is not a context for following Jesus where you just get to leave behind the people of God. Okay. It's just not there, guys. And it's hard because sometimes and we just want to do our own thing. We, need to, we want to step away. People get annoyed. Whatever it is, there's, there's not a context for our faith in following Jesus that isn't communal, that isn't with the church and with the people of God, that God's drawn together for his purpose. Okay. Very important. So I think those are a few, few reasons that they could have gone. Okay. And their response was obedience. Their, 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 their response was, let's go. Okay. So here's where I want to land this thing. Here's where I land this. Um, some of you are thinking, okay, if, if, you, if God's calling me today, right? You're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a fisherman, or what does this mean for me? How do I navigate this? Does this mean that I'm supposed to quit my job and go into vocational ministry, right? That, that oftentimes becomes kind of the, man, you know, he, they left their, their, they stopped being fishermen and they just went and followed Jesus and were apostles and they just went and church planted and told people about Jesus and led churches and were pastors. Okay, that's what they did. It's not what everyone's called to do, okay? Follow me means different things for every single person in this room. Follow me does not mean quit your job and go get involved in the church vocationally, right? It means in everything that you already do, in your desires, in your future plans, in your personality, your person, in everything you are, now see it through the lens of Jesus and the gospel. Now begin to take everything you do and say, okay, with my finances, I'm going to follow Jesus. Okay? With my work, I'm going to follow Jesus. With my friendships, I'm going to follow Jesus. With my morality, I'm going to follow Jesus. With my on and on and on. Pick any aspect of your life and say, this aspect of my life, follow Jesus. It will look like Him. It will be shaped by Him, be formed by Him. And I will look more like Him at the end of the day than I do today. Right now. Okay. That's what this means. So, none of... Listen, may, oh, some of you, maybe, you are being called... To, to go and get involved and be a pastor somewhere or be an overseas missionary or be just an evangelist, be a street. I mean, I don't know. Work for a, a parachurch organization. I don't, I don't know God's calling for your life. But I know that whatever he brings you to, wherever he places you, 
that you're supposed to be 100% bought in with volume with everything you do and everything you are. Okay? That's just the truth of the matter. Okay? And it's tough. It's a tough thing. Now, um, I want to do this. What are a few reasons why we say no? Bring this into a kind of a cultural moment here. What are a few reasons why we say no? And it's, it's the same thing. Who is this guy? Can I trust him? Who, who is Jesus? And there's a lot of you know, different people saying different things all over the world today about who Jesus was. And he was this guy. And, and it's just all over the place. Who, can I actually trust Jesus? Right? What, what does it mean to place faith in a whole heart? Okay, I'm going to buy in. I was uh, with one of my best, my, my best friends in the world. His name's Matt, and he lives out in California. He's got an amazing family. I mean, just an awesome family. They've got three little kids, and his youngest kid's name's Dominic, right? And Dominic and I, uh, we're, we're playing, and, you know, we're roughhousing and stuff like that. He's like four, three, four years old, and he gets up on top of the couch, and he's standing on the leg, and I'm, I'm sitting on the ground, and he's like, uh, he wants to jump, right? And I'm like, dude, go for it. Like, I'm going to catch you. You know, and, and so he's, he's looking at me and he sees the ground and he sees me and then he looks at himself and he just keeps kind of doing, can I trust this guy? Right? Like, can I actually trust this guy? Is, is he really going to catch me? What do you think he does? He jumps, right? Jumps, soars through the air and I step away, let him hit the ground, right? That's sin, bro. That's the world. No, just kidding. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Of course I didn't do that. No, I caught him, Right? I caught the kid because I'm a Christian, okay? Uh, no, I catch the kid, right? I mean, fine kid at you, you put your arms out. And so I, I catch the kid. What, no, what happens? What happens in his life? I'm going to go do it again, right? Gets back up on the thing and he's, um, Nate, Anthony, come here, come catch me. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Might be a little tougher for you, brother. Okay. And he continues to do it over and over and over again. Catch me again, catch me again, catch me again. I mean, I get this most beautiful, I mean, and, and this, again, if, we've talked about this before, Anthony and I, would, you're just in life, and you just see stuff like, that's a sermon illustration right there, and so I'm sitting there catching this kid, and it's like, gosh, that's what I need to do! I just need to leap, and continue to leap, and continue to leap, because every time I do, my trust and my faith grows in the power of my Savior to continually catch me, lead me, as I follow him. And so what I'm saying to you all today is like, God, the calling's there. Like, I, I'm, this is not me. This is the Bible saying, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll bring you in on the family business. Follow me. Trust me. And some of you guys, you, you just need to take a leap today. In some area of your life, and I don't know what the areas of your life that you would say, I'm holding this part of me back. I don't know that. You know that. And if you don't, identify it and then leap forward and say, okay, I'm going to try this. He's going to catch you. He's going to lead you. He's going to shape you. And then you're going to gain trust and you're going to gain faith and you're going to keep doing it. Because God is ever faithful. And I know it's hard to buy into because we've all been jaded by a, by a world that's broken, by a world that's let us down over and over and over again. By relationships that have let us down, by a social structure that's let us down, by a government at times that has let us down. That was not meant to be... Just saying, like, stuff is broken, okay? Right? Like, st- everything's messed up. You've let people down. Okay, so let me do everything. And so you've been jaded by it. But listen, Jesus doesn't do that. Because he is the caller you can leap over and over and over again. And you can put yourself out there and actually begin to let go of some of the things that you've held tightly onto that inhibit you from being his follower. Okay? 
And so what are those things for you? What are they? I want to encourage you guys to talk to one another about what those things are. That would be kind of weird, but I, I mean, I'm, everyone's here, so there's license with each other now. He said to do this. Right? Talk with those things. See how you guys can help each other navigate through these situations. Okay. Identify those things, and then let me say this to you. Um, what is this next step, and how can we help you? Okay. Uh, when I think of our, our desire to be a church up here, I, I, I love Sundays. It's great. We have a lot of fun. We get to learn about Jesus. get to talk to a lot of you. Hear some cool stories. I mean, I, I am so deeply concerned about Monday through Saturday. It's ridiculous. I want to know, how can we help you? How can we serve you to make you followers and fishers? How can we do that? We've got different, we've got different things. And I want to encourage you to, get, to do that. I mean, get involved in the redemption community. Find a mentor. We did that whole mentor Sunday, right? Find a mentor here that will help lead you in this. Okay? Go to a class. Go to an event. Look at the, look at the event card and just go to something. Right? We've got a women's ministry event coming up on Saturday. Ladies, go there. And I want, I'm going to plug this. Older women, please go there. It's, it's usually a ton of younger women that need you there. Hear me? Like, they just need you. Same, and same with the men's deal. I'm like usually the oldest dude at the men's deal. Okay? I'm 31. Okay? It's not that old. Okay? And so we need you. Show up at some of this stuff because, listen, we, we do it because our desire is to see you grow as a fisher and a follower. Okay. Some of you students here, you should do Be Home Project this summer. Right? Like you should. You should say, I'm going to take eight weeks this summer and be dedicated to this project and God shaping me. And we got a few of the ex-Be Homers, Be Homies right down here. And they're happy because it's the best summer. Best. I mean, they just said to me earlier, it's the greatest eight weeks of my life. This is the best, man. I love you. Um, and literally didn't say any of that. But I'm just saying, like, they would have uh, if I had told them to. But some of, you, some of you students, you need to sign up for that. Or you at least need to have come, have, come and have a conversation about what this summer will look like if you, if you gave it over like that. Okay? Find some things to take this next step. Make it easier for yourself. Because if you just do what Jesus didn't do, which is you go and you try and take this following thing, this mission thing, this life, this life for Christ thing, and you go and try and do it by yourself, you'll get nowhere. But if you ask the person next to you, you find a mentor, you get in a community, you get, and it does, I don't care if it's even at our church. Go find a mentor somewhere else that loves Jesus, going to point you to I don't care. Go in a small group in another church that loves Jesus will point you to the gospel. I don't care. Just move forward and take those leaps because as you do, again, your faith will grow in the collar. And as your faith grows in the color, that is the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about you changing your behavior. Okay? It's not about you being a better person, you being a better Christian. It's about putting faith and trust in the one who's called, and the rest will follow. I guarantee it. So start taking chances. Start taking risks. Start taking steps forward and trusting the caller and trusting in Jesus. Because the caller is that good, the content, the community are that good for us, we might as well jump head first. Amen? I promise you, last thing I want to say, if you're here, and you've never followed Jesus, right? I mean, maybe you've done the church thing for a while, you've popped in, people have been inviting you, whatever it is, and, and you've just been hesitant. I get it, because I was hesitant for 18 and a half years, right? Asking tons of questions. I mean, I was, I was a, I'm an ardent skeptic. And so I, I want to invite you, okay? We're not going to have you stand out, we're not going to have you come forward, we're not going to have you do any of that, okay? 
But, it, but if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't just testified in your own heart that, man, no, I believe this, and I love you, and I'm thankful. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. If you haven't given your life to Christ, placed Him as your Lord and Savior, the calling is there. Follow me. Be His today. Okay? Be His today. Take that chance. And listen, you're going to jump, and it's going to be kind of weird because it's, a, I mean, it was weird for me. It's a whole new deal, but it's worth every bit of it because He always catches me. Okay? Every time. Every time. So I want to invite you to do that. I'm going to pray right now. I'd invite you to do the same. And then Anthony will come up and lead us in the time of response. Let's do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, for your hope. God, for the fact that you do call us to yourself. And you didn't call us to... Uh, well, you, did, you called us to some things, but God, you didn't call us to them without you. You called us to them with you, which is tremendously different. God, thank you that there's nothing that we walk through that you don't already know about. God, it's, it's hard. It's hard to always follow you. My own desires get in the way, my own responsibilities, my, 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 all the things that I am concerned about, what other people will think, my own security, the fact that just like being a follower in our culture is not very cool right now. Just all the little things, God, that inhibit me from giving my life fully over, Lord, I do ask that you would root out of me and use men and women in this church, God, to, to call me out when necessary. God, I was praying with a brother earlier this week. God, you know, man, we just want to be more like Jesus. And so, God, I think that just means giving more over and more over to following you. God, thank you that you've invited us into a mission. And so, God, will we be faithful in that mission, Lord? And would people, would people know Jesus, not for any glory or gain of our own, but for... 100% your glory, Father, your grace. God, in the hope that, uh, God, you're restoring to a broken world. Heavenly Father, would you just lead us this morning, shape us and call us to whatever the next step is for each of us today. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for raising, God, that we can have new life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.